Well, today is the third and the last of my sermon series entitled Little Known Heroes of Faith. Today's hero is Mary Magdalene, or Mary of Magdala. As we learned in the first, of this, first sermon of this series, Mary was a very common name at the time of Jesus. The name, after, the name used after the first name was usually a location of a home or birth origin, like Jesus of Nazareth. Magdala was a town near the present-day location of Tiberias on the southern end of the Sea of Galilee. We don't know much about my little-known hero, Mary of Magdalene. We don't know about her parents. We don't know about her marital status or her age. It's not really important. If you do an online search about her, you may be surprised. You will find much discussion about Mary being a prostitute, the wife or lover of Jesus, the mother of his child or children. None of these descriptions is biblical. For the first 500 years of Christian history, her biblical stories were pretty much ignored. Then around 600 A.D., Pope Gregory I combined all of the lesser-named Marys in the New Testament into one. And that's when she became known as a prostitute, among other things. Once again, none of that is biblically based. It was not until the 20th century that organized religion decided to revisit Mary and her story to get a more accurate biblical view of her. Rather than see her in the light of tradition and myth, they decided that what we need to see is exactly how the Bible portrays this woman. Sadly, others have not followed, and even today, in film or in print, She is still being portrayed in a negative light. Some writers have insisted on calling her the patron saint of loose morals. A better title that is given today by the Catholic Church is that of the patron saint of contemplation and converts. Quite frankly, she could also be called the patron saint of those who have been slandered. That's the lawyer in me. We first meet Mary Magdalene when she was traveling with Jesus during his ministry. She is with other disciples and two other women named Joanna and Susanna. All three of these women have been recently healed by Jesus. Mary's health issue is specifically mentioned because she had been possessed of seven demons. That's a lot of demons. At the time of Jesus, many illnesses such as epilepsy, paralysis, blindness, and many more were said to have been caused by demons. Mary, in particular, must have had a very serious illness because even seven demons symbolizes that she was completely overtaken by them. We don't know what Jesus did with Mary to cure her. But she went from being totally controlled by an illness to being embraced by God through Jesus. She had such faith in God that she left her entire past behind her and began to go with Jesus as he ministered to others. 
Not only did she follow him, but she also provided monetary support for him to allow his ministry to continue. Constantly on the move, there were many details of the disciples on their day-to-day lives to pay attention to, and that's exactly what Mary did. Although, Although the Bible speaks very little about it, the ministry of Jesus had to have cost a considerable amount of money. We never read of Jesus or his disciples asking for money, but the supplies that were needed, the traveling from place to place, the shelter, the food, the clothing, all cost money. Just like today, Jesus' ministry required generous supporters. Mary was certainly one of them. Mary used the gift of her health and other gifts that had been given to her by God to serve Jesus and his ministry. The next scene in our story shows us that even in the darkest of tragedy and personal danger, Mary was steadfast in her presence and support of Jesus. We see this in her accompanying him on his final journey to Jerusalem and in his final moment of torment. For Mary was there at the crucifixion. She was there when the thousands that had heard him or were cured by him suddenly fled. She was there when he was arrested and the other disciples ran away. She was there at the cross. Now, stop to think about it. It took great courage and great love for Mary to continue to support and be in the presence of Jesus, even on the cross. He was branded a criminal, and therefore anyone who supported or associated with him could be similarly branded and meet with the same fate that he did. But she was there. Now, no sooner had Jesus died than the question among the women present must have arisen, how do we get his blood-stained body down from the cross and prepare it for burial and place it in a tomb? To the relief of the sorrowful mourners, according to the Gospel of Mark, Joseph of Arimathea had come for that very purpose. Mark records that Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, were there when they laid Jesus in the tomb. Mary Magdalene was truly with Jesus until the very end of his physical presence on earth. The final scene in our story is Mary at the tomb of Jesus. She is weeping over the loss of her rabbi, her spiritual mentor and friend. John tells us, as she looks into the tomb and sees two angels sitting there where the body of Jesus had laid, and she wept. And they said to Mary, Why Why are you weeping? She told them, They have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. Then she turned, and she saw Jesus, whom she believed to be the gardener. Now, Remember, her heart is broken, and she is deeply grieving. 
In that condition, she did not even recognize the angels when she had spoken to them, and she did not even recognize Jesus, who, of course, she never expected to see again. She asked him, If you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she immediately recognized the voice of Jesus and turned to him and said in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus told her not to hold on to him because he had not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Suddenly everything changed for Mary. The resurrection of Jesus changed everything that was in her world. The Mary that was possessed by demons became Mary, the first declarant of the very good news, the resurrection of Jesus. There are a lot of lessons that you can take from this story of Mary Magdalene, but I'm only going to talk about three. The first is that at a time when women were viewed simply as a piece of property belonging to either a husband or a father, Jesus accepted Mary Magdalene as being so much more. We saw some of the recognition Jesus gave to women in the story of Mary of Bethany when he spoke to her and taught her. But but in Mary Magdalene's story, we see so very much more. Mary is an actual disciple of Jesus. After Jesus healed her, She traveled with him wherever he went. She supported Jesus and the other disciples. But she did not just write checks. She was with him at the time of his crucifixion. And she was the first to see him at the time of his resurrection. Therefore, her utter devotion, compassion, caring, and courage are truly inspiration for us all on our own journeys of faith. The third lesson is that any life, no matter one's past or present circumstances, can be transformed by God through Jesus Christ. As the Apostle Paul states at Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I know, then the life I now live is in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Or, at 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. And behold, the new has come. The transformation of the demon-possessed Mary through God is truly remarkable. 
All of us sitting here today have been or can be transformed just as Mary was. The third lesson is the service that Mary rendered to Jesus. Mary was giving many, many gifts, including health and of some wealth. She did not selfishly keep those gifts for herself, but she used those gifts in service to God through service to Jesus. You've often heard me say that God has given each and every person in this sanctuary today many, many, many gifts. But the reason we all receive those gifts is to use them in service to God. Each of us should take a close look at ourselves, recognize our God-given gifts, and then use those gifts in service to God. Since this is the last of my summer sermon series, Little Known Heroes of Faith, I think it's important to look at the meaning of all these stories have together for us. If you examine them all, you'll find something they have in common. They are stories about everyday people like you, like me. Mary of Bethany refused to follow her day-to-day life and violated many religious and social conventions just to be able to learn from Jesus. The centurion, while he had attained middle-level leadership in the Roman army, probably did not come from a wealthy or powerful family. Otherwise, he would not have, been, would not have chosen to live the brutal life of a member of the, of the Roman army. Mary Magdalene was, very, was a very ill woman and was being ravaged by a disease before she met Jesus. None of the biblical heroes that I've talked about were famous, were kings, queens, political leaders, or powerful people. They were not of the stature of some of the more famous heroes from the Bible, like Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt, Noah and the ark, or Abraham from whom God made a covenant to be the father of a great people. No, they were ordinary people living their lives as best they could under the conditions that existed at the time of Jesus. Their status in life in these stories is very important because, again, they were just like all of us as we sit here today. Now, as far as I know, we don't have any royalty here. We don't have any ark builders here or people that have been told they will, father, they will father a great nation here. And if I'm wrong, please correct me right now. So just like the Mary of Bethany, the centurion, and Mary of Magdalene, we all are heroes of faith. One reason is because we have all chosen to be here to worship our God instead of following the many temptations this world has to offer. Today and every day, we are the feet, the hands, the eyes, and the mouth of God 
in our tumultuous world. And there is no more heroic person than that. Now, if either of the Marys or the centurion had been given that title of hero, they would have said a humble thank you and then kept on doing what they had been doing to enter into a deeper relationship with God through Jesus. And so should we. We should not be satisfied with that title. Instead, we want to come into a deeper relationship with God. We want to learn more about God through Jesus Christ. We want to attend the worship services here. We want to attend the Bible study classes here. We want to attend the other classes here. We want to learn from our fellow congregation members and what they can teach us about so many things, including life, death, and faith. And most importantly, We want to serve this congregation in the many opportunities that are open to us to do so. In doing all of that, it will truly make us heroes of faith. And we all want to and can live up to that title. So let us begin today. Amen.